Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. Uh, We want to welcome all of those of you that are downloading and studying along with us from wherever you are in the United States of America or uh, internationally. We appreciate your being a part of our ministry, and we appreciate the opportunity to study and share the Word of God with you. As always... We want to welcome you to join us at, uh, contact us at MikeSpringstonMinistries.com, Springston56 at gmail.com, FFCMA.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. I want to also remind you of our book, I Surrender, available on Amazon or in your local bookstore. Today we're going to look into what's taught in Scripture concerning the Holy Spirit. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Open our eyes that we can see, and our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. Then may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son, Jesus, we ask you out of the throne room of God to speak to us. We ask you to reveal through the Holy Spirit what we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And then we will receive what you have said and release it and reveal it to your people. We'll be changed, transformed, corrected, led, and guided into truth that will allow us and help us to live this Christian life more than ever in the image of yourself. We praise you for it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. A few days ago, uh, I was teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in an open forum Bible study when someone towards the end of the program who was new to our church Uh, just visiting in with relatives, said to me that tongues were of the devil and anyone who speaks in tongues is speaking to the devil. And this must be a pervasive message as I have heard this spoken by more than one and by prominent national radio show host many times. It always astounds me how people self-determine what they're going to believe but have absolutely no scripture that clearly defines their position. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches not only a little bit but the extreme opposite. As we consider this during the course of this teaching, May we understand that these important factors and principles are all concerning what the Scripture says as the Word of God declares that men spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, for the most part, Paul is the one teaching concerning the gifts of the Spirit. As we know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament Paul received his instructions concerning what to say in the New Testament from the laying on of hands that produced the infilling of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15 through 18, this is what was written. 
Luke wrote it. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So Paul's words were to reach to all people. This is clear from the instructions given to Ananias. I want you to note that Paul's words were to go before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. That meant that basically everybody in the world would at some point encounter what was produced in Paul by the laying on of hands. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, two important deeds were accomplished by the laying on of hands. One, Paul received his sight. Secondly, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this would be the method or means by which Jesus Christ would speak to Paul and guide him into the writing of his portion of the New Testament. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been, scales, and he received sight, and forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Baptism, according to the book of Acts, constituted an evidence. That evidence was that those baptized spoke in tongues. So Paul executed the surrender required to produce the evidence. Paul's mission was the entire world according to what was spoken to Ananias. It was the Gentiles, the children of Israel, and the kings. Now we study from a book that includes what the Spirit was commanded to share with Paul for the benefit of the church. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said he was writing to the church of God, which resided at Corinth. Paul taught tongues and said he used them more than anyone else. Paul encouraged the use of other gifts and also taught the appropriateness of the timing of tongues as well as the responsibility for interpretation. When Paul speaks to those at Corinth in terms of being the believers, we must qualify that comment and temper it with what Paul has said concerning the reason for this teaching. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul begins to correct the behaviors of the church at Corinth, and the first correction involves the Lord's Supper. Then in chapter 12, he begins to correct their use and sometimes abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I would pause here long enough to say that what Paul corrected in 1 Corinthians 11, we have deemed as usable because we still function and operate and follow the teaching of the Lord's Supper. So we have determined the benefit of the Lord's Supper and the correction of Paul concerning the benefit of the Lord's Supper. But when Paul corrected them on how to use the Holy Spirit 
and how to minister from the Holy Spirit in chapter 12, we have determined that that has ceased. Gone out with the apostles, run its course, and is of no benefit to us today. But Paul corrected their use and sometimes abuse of the gifts of the Spirit. Now you must note this fact. In Corinth, the church is operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They have received the evidence of the gifts as we have seen completed in the book of Acts. We must also identify that this was to the church of God who resided at Corinth. The events of Paul's uh, passing on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and subsequently the gifts of the Spirit is recorded in Acts chapter 18. Paul spoke of this action to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6 when he said, Stir up the gift which is in thee by the laying on of hands. Since this was the means used to baptize Paul, this is the means that baptized Timothy. So Paul begins to fix the misunderstanding and the misguided representation of the use of the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. There are just a couple more thoughts that must be relayed prior to arriving at chapter 12. All of the works accomplished by Jesus were works that Peter said in Acts 2.22 were approved of God. If Jesus remains at the right hand of the Father, then his works, in fact, have not passed away. We have absolutely no scripture that tells us that any of his actions of which were approved have ever passed away. We have no scripture spoken by Jesus that clearly defines the condition of anyone. Wait a minute. We have absolutely no scripture that tells us that any of his actions of which were approved have passed away. Now we have those that they attempt to make a determination upon, but those don't even say what it is they are trying to make them say. But we do have scripture spoken by Jesus that clearly defines the condition of anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit. Now let's move to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul speaking. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now let's correct part two of your misunderstanding. It's concerning spiritual gifts. That's what Paul is saying to them. Let's make this correction right now so that you can understand how to appropriately and correctly use the gifts of the Spirit. Now, where do you suppose Paul was coming with this information? Where did he get it? Well, he got it from the Spirit. So, what is the genesis of spiritual gifts? It's the giftings that are supernatural. So the only place that we have to place a supernatural operation is in the experience that occurred and is written in the book of Acts. This is the supernatural endowment of power for the purpose of bearing record, reporting, or witnessing under the commands of Jesus Christ as he sat at the right hand of majesty and became our man in the Godhead bodily. It was the supernatural activity that Jesus spoke of 
when he said that he would not leave us, but that he would come to us. The same is spoken in Matthew 28 when he declares, and lo, I am with you always. Then, of course, Jesus said that he has things to tell, but they're not yet in position. The disciples and apostles were not yet in position to receive his words. This was also coinciding with his promise to manifest himself to those who keep his commandments. Now, for us to say that this went out with the apostles and the disciples is not congruent with Jesus' statement in John 14, 21, when he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. My Father will love you, and I will love you, and I will manifest myself to you. So we are seeing a supernatural event being brought into focus by Paul. Of this supernatural event, he did not want the church of God, not only the church at Corinth, but the church of God to be unlearned. Verse 2, ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Now this is such an insightful and important scripture that I want you to focus on verse 2. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Ye were idol worshippers who were led by demonic spirits in people to worship dead idols. Then in itself, this in itself is the reason that we as the children of God can verify the supernatural existence of the Holy Spirit. Why, you would say? Well, friend, we don't worship an idol. We worship a living God who is in the Godhead bodily. And he was declared to be God by the angels before he was born, according to Matthew 1. So for any man to proclaim that the ministry of the supernatural and spiritual gifts are demonic, well, frankly, it shows a complete inability simply to read Scripture. If it were demonically oriented, it would revolve around idol worship. That's pretty clear. Paul said, you know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. So it's pretty clear what Paul is saying. They have come out of idol worship into the worship of the true and living God. Spiritual gifts revolve around a living and a seated Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now we go further into how these actions are separated from the demonic. Number one, the Spirit of God would never call something that was approved by God accursed. Oh, my Lord. So you're telling me that those that are calling the approved work of God accursed, the approved work of God as being non-operational, the approved work of God as being inappropriate for the modern day Christian world, they are calling the Holy Ghost as being disapproved. Well, the Bible says 
that if you were operating in the right spirit, you would never call something that was approved by God accursed. So it is highly possible and probable that unwittingly those that are calling the things that God has approved accursed are operating from a demonic position and they are operating outside of the truth of the scripture. I didn't say it. Wherefore I give you to understand, Paul said, that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Well, Paul, Peter said in Acts 2.22 that this was a man who was approved by God and that his works were approved by God and you looked at him and crucified him and so you showed disapproval upon his works. Now the Spirit of God would never call any of the works of Jesus Christ to cursed. Any of them. But we know that Jesus taught the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus not only taught it in John 14, 15, 16. In John uh, 17, he prayed for the apostles that everybody would hear what they say. And then in Acts chapter 1, he told them to tarry until they were endued with power from on high. The promise of the Father came to them. So whenever we call any of the works that began in the cross, let's trace them. The cross, the work in the tomb, the work of deliverance and resurrection, the work of the high priest, the work of his lordship, or the work that he produced as the man in the Godhead bodily that completed Put it all in a nice package. If we call any of those works accursed, then we are not operating from the Spirit of God. So then we have to answer this question. Well, then from what spirit are we operating? Is it possible that because of our lack of knowledge, understanding, and ability to ascertain what the Word of God very clearly teaches, that we are dying for lack of knowledge because we are operating more as those that scatter than those that gather. The Spirit of God would never deny the facts concerning where Jesus was received in the heavenly domain. Therefore, the Spirit of God would never deny that He was in fact the promise of the Father that was sent into the earth to govern the church. The Spirit of God will identify him appropriately. They will see him in his exalted name that is above every name. It's only when the Spirit of God brings one into his lordship that the supernatural spirit, spiritual gifts become available and recognizable. The Lordship means that you have surrendered everything that has a name to His complete control and He, the Sanctifier, sanctifies you and calls you brethren. So when you come into Lordship, you are surrendering everything in you, out of you, and around you that has a name. It is total and complete surrender. And you are now separated for service. The Holy Spirit 
is the orchestrator of your responses and actions. That is the purpose of this verse of Scripture. The contrary to this verse is as well enforced by the demonic world. Now, the demonic world has deceived many people, many church leaders, and led them into the antithesis of what we saw when we read verse 3 concerning how we would act in the Spirit. The demonic denies the things that are approved by God. The demonic curses the works of Jesus. The demonic denies the actions of Jesus as being completely accepted with his re-enthronement. The demonic denies the need for lordship. The demonic attempts to offer spiritual gifts without spiritual growth. The demonic attempts to live an unsurrendered life and rely on other means to know Jesus. The demonic self-determines the operation and the works of the Holy Spirit. These demonic affiliates will quickly turn on anyone who calls them out for their misrepresentation of Scripture. Years ago, a man invited me to preach for him. Now, I preached in every denomination except the Catholic Church. Every major denomination, I have stood in their pulpit. Not one time have I ever been thrown out, tossed out, asked to leave, or asked not to come back. Never one time. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of wisdom. The Holy Spirit is a spirit that can speak in more ways than just speaking in tongues. Did you know every time I get up to preach, and I pray the prayer that I pray over every podcast, and I say, Lord, I want you to speak through the Holy Spirit and show me what I need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. I am releasing into my preaching ministry the very voice of Jesus Christ. Now, there are days whenever I may speak in tongues, I may interpret, but every time I get up to preach, I'm speaking in a voice of prophecy. I'm speaking from the voice of Jesus Christ. So, we were standing on the first tee box, and he said, well, I'm going to have to have you come preach for me. And then he said to me, what's your background? Well, at the time, my wife and I uh, were going to a nearby Nazarene church, but that wasn't my background. I said, I'm Church of God. And he stopped in the middle of his swing preparation, and he said, which one? I said, Cleveland, you know there are two. There's one in Anderson, Indiana, and there's one in Cleveland, Tennessee. I said, Cleveland, Tennessee. He said, do you believe in the Holy Ghost? I said, of course I do. He turned his head away from me and said, well, you can't come to my church and preach then. What was he saying? Because I was one of those that believed in the full gospel. Now, what spirit was he operating from? Was he operating from the approved works that God approved in Jesus Christ? Or was he operating from a self-determination that did not take into account the truth of God's word 
and then operating from a scattering position. You know, Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. You're either gathering with me or scattering whenever he talked about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So, um, many people don't understand the concept that the Holy Spirit, and this is what Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 12, the appropriate use of the ministry of the Holy Spirit so that the ministry of the Holy Spirit actually does what it is pronounced to do, which is minister Jesus Christ to those that are not only saved, but that are unsaved. Now, if you are seen as being from another flavor, the church world will turn on you quickly. They'll turn on you like a dime. But yet, when we look around at our political world, is it any wonder that the political world has decided to choose up sides and say, you're not with us, so you're wrong? Where did they learn that foolishness from? Where did they learn no conversation, no opposing view? Where did they learn that from? Well, my friend, unfortunately, they learned it from the church. They learned this very behavior that we detest from the church because the church closed down communication. The church closed down the ability and the opportunity to share views and ideas. The church closed down the opportunity to make Christ the central theme. So, we have no use for those that operate in the full gospel because we choose to self-determine what it is we want to approve. And that, my friends is a sad commentary. I've known men that were preachers of a particular flavor who were baptized in the Holy Spirit, either hid it from their church because they knew that if they told their church, they would be put out of a job. So they went every Sunday and preached a message that everybody listened to, all the while having the unction of the Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit will always offer, operate as a gentleman. He will always operate appropriately. Why? Because the message of Jesus Christ goes to the prostitute just like it goes to the church leader. The message of Jesus Christ will minister through the means by which Jesus Christ deems necessary to, uh, to completely expose his ministry and his message. Now, there are nine different ways of which he will do that. And there are nine different ways in which we can be blessed. But those that are operating in opposition to what God approved and what started the church have to stop and go back and read the scripture and identify if they, in fact, are calling the approved work of God in Jesus Christ something that is accursed. The Corinthians respected Paul and they respected his position. They knew about his encounter with God 
And they knew that he had been the one to preach the infilling of the Holy Ghost to those who came back to Corinth and shared it with them. So they accepted his instruction. Why is this important? No one is asking anyone to hear what Mike Springston says. No one is asking anybody to hear what a doctrine of a church, independent or otherwise, that is called Pentecostal, is saying no one is asking anybody to do that. You don't know me. Most of you certainly don't know my story. To most, that would not be of any influence anyway. But, just like Corinth, you do know Paul and you do know his story. You hear it preached from, in his writings from the Word of God uh, weekly. You do have a clear description of what Paul is teaching. Of that, you serve in one or two capacities, both of which Jesus identified, as I've stated in Matthew 12. You're either gathering with him or you're scattering from him. And the question is, which are you? Who are you? Are you gathering with Jesus who taught about this wonderful work of the Holy Spirit and who gave the Holy Spirit and who operates in the Holy Spirit or are you scattering from Him and influencing countless thousands of people to be scattered with you, losing the marvelous influence of the Holy Spirit and the marvelous impact of the words of Jesus Christ upon your life. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that as we continue this study, you will bless, move, that you'll open our eyes, God, so that we can see truth and so that we can hear truth. We worship you for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. I don't worship an idol. I don't worship things of deceit. I worship a true and living God. That true and living God has chosen not only to abide in me, but to operate through me as He speaks. And the Holy Spirit, who has been given to me, not only operates, but He hears the very voice of the One who is operating through me. And he allows me to do what Paul is going to teach us, to take advantage of that and profit with all. I hope you will. I hope you'll open your eyes and your heart. May God bless you until we speak again. I appreciate every listener. Give thought. Give meditation. Give reading into the Word of God. I ask you to do it in the name of Jesus because in this day you will need the voice of Jesus Christ to lead you into truth and show you great and mighty things to come. Find Him as Lord. You'll surrender everything to Him. 
Find him as the man in the Godhead and he will fill you with the Holy Spirit and he will show you things to come and give you things to speak. May God bless you until we speak again.